0: Okay, so this is their bonus podcast, everyone. I'm the host, Donato Surbonas, and I'm happy to introduce you my guests of tonight's episode. This is Mr. Eric McCollum from Karšiaka Izmir and Kevin Punter from Partizan Belgrade. Hello, gentlemen. Pleasure to have you here.
1: What's going on? What's going on? Always a pleasure.
0: <laughs> a lot of topics to discuss. EuroLeague stars heading to the NBA, leaving big shoes to fill in Europe. Uh, League introducing some format changes and, of course, Kevin dropping some free agency bombs, extending his contract with Partizan. These are the main topics that we will try to discuss today. So let's just start with you, Kevin. Congratulations on your uh, two-year extension with Partizan. Sensational move to me. First of all, a lot of people thought that Partizan won't be able to compete financially with the teams like Pantanaikos, Barcelona, and many others. And secondly, Mm -hmm. it really looked like you were one foot in Barca. So can you just get us through your decision-making process? How did you Mm -hmm. try to set top priorities for yourself? Like, okay, these will be my main points before making my Mm -hmm. decision that I will follow. And that finally led you, you know, choosing Partizan, not Barca, not 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 anybody else.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I mean both both teams wasn't like both teams wasn't too far off from each other. Uh the only difference I feel like was uh obviously I've been in Belgrade for a while now. So, you know, that was maybe a, a higher component. I've never played in Spain, so I didn't I don't know anything about Spain. But you know, that doesn't mean you still don't go, you know. But um Obviously, my relationship with coaches, everyone knows how my relationship with coaches is. And I just, you know, it was, it was to be honest with you, it was extremely stressful. It was a stressful offseason. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, just with me saying I'm not making a decision until after, I believe, playoffs is finished. And then once that got done, it was just, you know, a ton of phone calls, and like any other offseason for players, you know, things like that. So just a lot of phone calls. And long story short, I just kind of had to, I'm in the grips and just make a decision with all the information I had and and just what I felt comfortable with and what I, you know, wanted to do, you know? So that's kind of like, that's kind of like what that was.
3: How big
1: was um, your coach in that process? Like, did he give you a call? Did he take you to dinner? Like what was, you know, his influence in your decision? Mm -hmm. Because we know who he is. We know
2: the legend that he is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, it, it wasn't, Nothing that I didn't know already. I've known this. I've known Coach for two years. Played for him for two years. Me and him have had all the conversations in the world in two years. So, in those moments, we don't need to have a let's say a long, drawn out conversation. Me and him understand each other extremely well, like on and off the court. Trust me. So, like during that process, it wasn't too too much talking with me and him. It was more so just trying to stay on the same page with my decision you know what I'm saying so so I'm the type of guy one thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let you know before it comes out what's going on and and what I may be doing so that was pretty much the conversation with me and him was just keeping him aware of my decision just out of respect you know I just don't ever want you to find out through three to four other people in and I'm supposed to be your guy and i me mean. you supposed to have a great relationship and I didn't even tell you, you know what I'm saying? Or don't tell you anything. So the main thing for me was just staying in communication with him and just let him know and listen, you know, kind of like what's going on and things like that. So that was pretty much how our communication went.
0: Do you guys like when the head coach is actively involved in the recruiting process?
2: Depends on who you are. Some players do, some players don't. It just depends if you're the type of player that likes that and, like you are cared about in that process then for sure if you a player that's listen as long as you let me hoop I'm coming let's do it you know what I'm saying so it just depends on who you are for me I doesn't for me as I've gotten older I've cared about it because in the past I've been in situations where it didn't work out because of that reason you know so for me as I've gotten older uh, I like more stability and having a relationship you know with your coach I think that's important in winning you know what I'm saying it's not just negotiating or, or off-season, like, I feel like you should have a good relationship with your coach. Any any player, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I'm asking this because sometimes I've talked with players and they said that this, let's say, Zoom meeting before making up my mind was kind of, you know, made the biggest impact why I signed with this or, or that team. So, yeah. but sometimes, you know, did you ever have conversations where, you know, after the call, you were like, I'm there's no chance I'm going to play for this coach. <laughs>
2: um no, nah, I've never had no, nah, I've never had those. Uh I've never had that happen to me before where you just get off the phone and be like, yeah, no but chance.
0: Because usually they're all nice. They're talking about giving you as for many sure. minutes as you want. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But the key to that though is
2: you gotta you gotta hit up the players that did it before, that played for the coach before, that has been in your shoes before. So that's that's the main thing about it, and and, that, and that's
0: key. What was the first message, the first text message, or what were the first uh, first words of Zhilko Bradovich when you committed to staying in partisan?
2: He was happy. Um, It wasn't no real, it was brief because he had a lot going on in his background. He was moving around. I'm not sure if he was even in Belgrade. So he was just basically like, we'll talk in a couple days and just kind of just take it from there. But it it was quick, it was brief. It's sounded like he was traveling or I'm not too sure what he was doing So,
0: but yeah, that was it. You mentioned, you know, this summer being a very stressful summer for you. And I've, I've just thought about one thing. I mean, you had 22,198 fans to support you in game five of ABBA league finals. You have this huge fan base behind you and your team yeah. that boosts you during the season but what kind of pressure it creates when it comes to a free agency decision and maybe it's a question to both to you guys could you share some of the wildest interactions and experiences uh, you had you know uh including involving fans during those negotiations
2: um i mean for me personally um belgrade is is just a it's a different type of it's hard to explain so this is the first year I've witnessed numerous occasions, like when I say numerous occasions, like over and over this, people crying. Like like I'll come out the locker room or come out to go to my car like like literally like people in full pig. It's a picture online. I don't know if you guys seen it. I'm in a crowd. And it's a little girl in front of me and she's holding her mouth and she's like, like crying. So like I see that on like the day to day almost like people taking pictures and people sh- literally like Shaking, and I can feel them shaking like so. Like that, I didn't. I didn't realize how much I was affecting people with the game of basketball, and how much they love, you know, partisan in the games and me and things like that. So, I've also thought about that too, just because I've I've affected younger basketball players that's trying to grow up and let's say play like me or shoot like me or do certain moves like me and and, and actually studying my moves and stuff like that. So, I don't realize how much I've affected the 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 younger generation of, of Serbian basketball players that's coming up and that's you know that's that's trying to be a, a good player. So a lot of times it, it we don't realize it but I had to kind of sit back sometimes and be like, man, like it's it's, it's crazy. But that's just like that's just my experience.
0: Eric, did you have any unique distractions? I think <clears throat>
1: like he said, when you're out in public, when you go places just seeing um the sincerity in everyone's face, people telling you thank you, um, you know, for your performance, even in defeat, um, they respect your craft and all the work you put in. And those are the fans that, you know, you really treasure. Obviously, you know, you're not always going to be on the same team every year, no matter who you are. And you're going to get, you know, angry messages. Um, People are going to make assumptions about who you are as a person or player, but, you know, you can't allow that to dictate, you know, your energy. You know, you just kind of focus in, you do your job. But um, any fan that's passionate, um you know they don't always want the best for their club so you know, i never take it to heart and you know obviously <laughs> him seeing you know what he went through at partisan those are some of the most passionate fans um you know in the euro league and you know i'm sure it was a special season for him
0: yeah speaking speaking of the free agency or particular in particular being on an expiring contract eric's situation this year was different but for sure you've been in this situation uh, as well um uh, in the NBA we we have these rules you know that you let's say basically you cannot talk you cannot negotiate with the other clubs before the free agency starts I'm maybe Eric knows better because of you know CJ's experience how it goes during the season uh, how many teams are really following uh, these rules but do we have any problems here in Europe what it's like to be a, as a a player on an expiring contract which plays good, which has a lot of attention. Are there a lot of distractions? Are there a lot of, you know, stressful situations that makes this whole process really difficult? Because KP, I mean, you were one of the hottest names in the free agency, uh, that's for sure. And I believe that this whole stress, this whole pressure had to start very early into the season.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I do a good job of blocking things out, to be honest with you. Uh, I just try to lock in and be focused. And especially with um with us trying to, you know, make a run in the U League playoffs, uh you know, in the majority series and then going right into the Aba League and then losing the first game in the quarterfinals. And so it was just a lot basketball wise that I had to make sure, you know what I'm saying, it was getting handled before any off season or you know, free agency. But uh it can, it, it can affect you depending on what type of player you are, in my opinion. For me, I just didn't let it affect me. I kind of knew that I was going to be there, you know, Like, but I just got to take one step at a time. I couldn't try to negotiate or talk to teams, and I'm trying to, you know, play and, and try to survive to to not go home early. So, it just depends.
1: So, for me, um, throughout my career, especially early in the stages, you know, you're playing on lower-level teams and you're trying to elevate yourself, it was motivation to hear teams interested in me. Obviously, my agent didn't negotiate deals and those type of things, but he let me know and I asked him to, um, this team called about you, this team called about you, this team likes you. And for me, that showed me that I was on the right path. So every day I wanted to go in and do extra work or I wanted to come in, I had that extra chip. Okay, I'm about to get to this level. I'm going to get to this money that I want. I'm going to get to this club, this respect. And so that was like a driving factor for me. And then also the negative stuff. Sometimes I was feeling too good and, you know, I was hearing too many good things and I would call them and be yeah. like, all right, I need the negative. What are the, what are some of the teams saying? And some of it might come from like the NBA when you're younger, or some of it might come from like a yearly team yeah. that thinks you're not ready. And that was something that would, you know, drive me. And he would, you know, constantly use those type of things, you know, when I asked for it. So, you know, I definitely understand what KP's saying. I've seen it ruin guys. I've seen guys overthink. I've seen guys get nervous in the moment, but I've yeah. also seen guys thrive and continue to elevate, you know, in that situation. Yeah.
0: yeah it can affect, you know, uh. in both ways. And it depends on the mentality that you you have, the probably the level of your experience that you have. So as I said, it can affect you both ways and guys, we have a, BN Plus platform on basketnews.com slash plus, where we provide exclusive or bonus Q&A sessions, exclusive confirmed rumors on BN Insider, exclusive interviews, uh, articles. And one of those features include making questions to our guests of the podcast or interviews. So one BN Plus member, Edin from Montenegro has a question that actually has a very intriguing perspective to me as well. So the question sounds like this, Uh, hi, Kevin. Did you spoke to coach Obradovic about free agency plans for this summer and possible targets to try to acquire? And my follow-up question would be uh, for both of you, is players becoming recruiters, becoming a real thing in Europe? Because for instance, I heard that Mike James was, or maybe still is involved in trying to recruit Nikola Mirotic to Monaco, for instance, to some extent. I read that Eric McCollum, was also behind Vito Brown staying in Karciakha. (laughs) And I believe that, you know, Zach Lee, they decided to stay in Partizan, also heavily impacted by your decision. So, do you think this recruitment model with players involved is becoming a bigger thing in Europe than before? Or I'm just, you know, it's just a recency bias thing? I think so.
2: Go go ahead, Eric, go ahead, bro.
1: I think you're seeing um, players having more stability. Um, you're seeing guys like Kevin sign two years deal two year deal. Myself, I was had a two-year deal last year, you know, I'm in the second year of it this year. Um, when players have stability, coaches providing them more trust. Um, you know, who better to sell your organization than someone who's been there? And players know that a lot of guys who are respected are gonna be honest. You know, I'm gonna give you the good, I'm gonna give you the bad, I'm gonna give you the in between. And um Obviously, you know if you're somebody that I, you know admire, and I want to play with you, help me win. But I also want what's best for your career. And I think depending yeah. on the vet, depending on the level that they're at, um, that can be uh, a very strong tactic in getting players. I know I told my coach, you know, anybody that you need um, or that you want, you know, to recruit, let me know. You know, I'm respected in Europe. I can you know help assist in that. You know, yeah. obviously, I'm not going to lie to anybody, but you know, I can tell you all the good things about Kashyaka, all the things from my experience, and I'm sure you know KP did the same thing in Partizan because as a coach you have to use all your weapons um a lot of things you know a player maybe not want to talk to a coach just because a lot of mm-hmm. coaches sometimes tell players what they want to hear or some coaches mm-hmm. don't want to you know give you the full picture of everything because it could deter your decision so i think um as you're seeing not only you know european players but american players starting to get more stability starting to get more trust in Europe, starting to be captains of teams, leaders of teams, signing these big contracts, you're seeing um, not us having like a force, but just more of um, the respect of the coach and bringing guys along. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's an organization. It's a team effort. And I think you should use your role throughout the team as every person, you know, to make the team as strong as possible.
2: I definitely agree and you know what's crazy I used to watch the uh, the older Cheska teams the older defender teams I feel like they did it too those those core guys stay with each other for years and years and years like even the panda teams they stay with each other for years and years and years I'm just like I always thought that was cool if, if if you've been playing with the same let's say eight guys for let's say three straight seasons why not continue why not yo come on come over here with us or you know take a little bit take, take a little less just a little less. Come play with us. Let's have fun. Let's keep let's keep doing it. I feel like that's dope to be honest with you. So I've always watched the the teams ahead of me and and kind of just study those teams and those coaches. And I thought that was great. And I saw why those teams are so successful. So I think that's a if it's not happening, I think it is, it is happening, but it's it kind of goes under the radar. It's no rules, so you could kind of really do whatever. So I think it's good for basketball to be honest with you. They get, it makes it more competitive. Uh, it makes guys want want to stay at a, at a clubs longer, you know, instead of let's say moving around so much. But you know, obviously, moving around has a lot to do with where you are in your career. But if you're looking for stability, I, I, I like that idea. I like that for guys.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a huge advantage. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, for instance, if I'm a free agent and Joel Kobradovich and Kevin Punter is calling me on a Zoom call. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed already. And it for me, it speaks to the volumes about the great connection and chemistry between three very important departments in the, your team. I mean, the players, the leader of your team is committed to help the organization, which speaks a lot about the front office and the job they're doing and also the head coach. Yeah. It's really hard, it, I, at least that's how I think, it's really hard to have all these three branches, you know, to work as a team, because usually sometimes you know there are these misunderstandings between the coaches and the yeah. players, or front office is not involved uh, at all. So it's huge. If you have this advantage, I don't know if you have this advantage right now in Partizan, and the question was, are you involved in recruiting the uh, the players to Partizan? Which you have to answer. uh That's that's a cool thing. That's a huge advantage yeah. in, in the free agency for sure. I definitely agree. Definitely. So, are you involved, Kevin?
2: Uh, I don't, I don't. So listen, I don't make the, <laughs> I don't make the last, I don't make the the last cuts. But uh, you know, if you want to come over to the black side, you know, just, just just give me a call and we can talk about it. You know, take a there. But now nah, I don't. Um, obviously, me and Zach, we've been playing with each other since we was in Milan. So our our communication has always been there. Um, obviously, me obviously me and him playing again for another two more years. So. We know each other's game, so for us to stay on the same team, that's easy for us. Um, Who else? Uh, Even Jan. I played with Jan for two years, Madar. This would be a third year, you know? So, like, even for him, like, that's easy. Like, so a lot of the core guys with us is, like, it's it's easy. Like, we've had conversations like, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you thinking? You know what I'm saying? So, for sure, uh, I've been part of those conversations, for sure.
0: Did you try to talk to Dante? Because the thing that kind of impressed me a lot was how dedicated he was to returning to the NBA all the time. Mm. As soon as he mm. joined Barca, his main goal was to get back to the NBA. Yeah. I mean, this in, during this off season, I would say he, from what I've heard, he left around p- uh, 1.5 million euros mm-hmm. here in Europe. Mm-hmm. And he went uh, on a minimum, which is also, you know, solid, uh, since he's a mm-hmm. six-year NBA veteran, he will yeah. uh, get around 2.7 gross, which means it's mm-hmm. still lower than you, you would get in Europe. So, I mean, it just showed how dedicated and how obsessed he was about this NBA dream. Uh, did you try to yeah. talk to him, you know, to, to to understand what he wants, if there was any chance to get him back to partisan?
2: Yeah, nah. Yeah, me, me and Dante was, me and Dante was tight. Uh, This like the entire party. I was saying we was all extremely close from top to bottom, but we all knew. Uh, his his main priority was NBA. He came from NBA. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that would be my main priority too. If I played there for six years, I'm trying to get back. So, you know, I was just happy for him that he got back because you know that's where he was for the last, let's say six, seven, almost eight years. I'm not too sure, but. So him going back was it was a no brainer. It was you know it wasn't surprising at all. Most people we all figured he would go back if he was to get a you know a reasonable deal. So and and as he did,
1: and it's and it's expected. Um, in Europe for guys like Kevin or myself, I think we embrace Europe because um, it's been our only experience. Like we like it, we enjoy it. We don't know what we're missing. So like I laugh all the time because when I talk to my brother and I see some of the things like how they live, how they travel, like as far as like the facilities, those things, every time I'm coming, mm. I'm like, wow. I remember the first time when he got drafted to Portland and I came into the uh, locker room and we were working out in the summer and I was like, you have all these protein shakes, these Gatorades, all this, <laughs> well, this is free. This is free. And I, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I'm in there grabbing stuff. Like, Putting some in my bag for later on. He's like, "It's okay, Eric." Like you, I said, "Nah, yeah, this is not yeah. normal." <laughs> and so, and I was like, "So we would go in to work out in the morning, and there was a chef cooking." And I looked, I said, "Oh, there's a chef." He's like, "Yeah, whatever you want, tell the chef what you want." I'm like, "Really? They gonna cook for me too? You know, I'm not a roster." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, "You're fine." So you sit there, and so like I understand guys who have got a taste of that. You know, you want to get back, but when you've done it for five, six years. It's extremely difficult to go back to um to
2: go back, yeah. To sharing rooms
1: or to you know, small yeah. hotel rooms, small like uh oh,
2: the season even being longer and drawing out more like football <laughs> yeah, like, like,
3: like, dogs.
1: Yeah. So it's it's not like a disrespect to Europe. I love Europe. Kevin love obviously like we've continued to play here all these years yeah. with but I understand the other side of it and it's, for it's sure. nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that, you know. But to each his own, I say. Um you'll find, you know, whatever you want um in life and you'll be happy. Um uh, I think yeah. Kevin can agree with me on this. My goal playing basketball was to be happy first. And then once I found that this is what I love, I was happy. My <laughs> second goal, uh I, I chose to be rich rather than famous. And I think that's yeah. what Kevin
3: Kevin wanted to
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, good job. Good
2: job. I ain't gonna lie, I had a dream. I had a dream once I left Tennessee Immediately, it was our NBA. You know how we all come out of college, the NBA, yes. NBA. I kid you not, bro. I got my first pro deal, and it wasn't a lot at all. But once I started kind of providing for myself, I knew instantly, okay, I think this is the ride I'm going to go. Yep. And I, I haven't looked back since. I haven't looked back since.
1: The same for me. <laughs>
0: nice part is that you're both rich and famous, so you can't <laughs> take all the boxes. <laughs> Hey, and Kevin, speaking of Dante, what do you think, how this season and a half experience in Europe helped Dante to have a better shot at making it to the NBA? Where did he improve the most, you know, to to become a better uh, fit for that, for that basketball?
2: Oh, like I said uh, last time, I think um, his shot selection, not saying he took bad shots, but you know, a lot of players... Shot selection couldn't alter their percentage. I feel like Dante was able to more so take his time on certain threes and, you know, not rush certain threes or sometimes not taking the first three when the guy goes under is okay. You know what I'm saying? C- continue to play. I do it sometimes too. So um, I feel like he um, – I don't want to say the game slowed down, but uh, he just kind of took his time and was extremely confident along with him working and – and making sure his shot was you know sharp and things of that nature, but a lot of times it's it's not the shot or it's not your mechanics. Is sometimes it can be the shot selection or um, it's being more confident in certain play calling where you know you may get this certain shot. You know the defense may go under. Obviously, teams treated him under 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 for the most part. So he started to kind of figure that out and kind of pick that apart. Like okay, if you go under the first one, I may rescreen. And once I rescreen, if you go under again, I'm just going to take my time and knock it down. You know what I'm saying? So I think over time, he's built that. And then he kind of just, it rests his history the rest of the year. He, he kept playing with that confidence and he, he was big for us.
0: So in on the second day of the free agency, we had three great European players that left league for the NBA. So and mm-hmm. Misic signed a free year, 23.5 deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sas- Sasha Vazenkov, a three-year deal, 20 million uh, with Sacramento Kings. XM 2.7, the Dallas Mavericks. And I have this question to you, gentlemen. Which player do you see in a best situation to succeed among those three, and why?
1: For me, it's hands down, um, Sasha. Um, it's clear, this is why I say yeah. Sacramento only has one stretch, true four, like a true four, as Trey Lyles. Um, and the reason that I'm going to break it down is because Trey Lyles played about 18 to 19 minutes a game. Um, he's only making $2.7 million a year, which is important because in the league, when somebody's making a lot of money, they're going to get yes. every opportunity yes. play. I don't care yes. if you dominate him in practice. I don't yes. care if you're better in training camp. If they're making 15 $13, 12000000 a year, they're playing. So this is why it's crucial that he only makes $2.7 million. He plays 17 minutes and he's the only really true four. So there's a great position right there for him to come in. And the other four is Harrison Barnes. He plays a lot of minutes at the four. Obviously, he's the main guy. Um, he's the guy that's going to get the bulk of the minutes. But that right there, I think Sasha can take Trey Lyle's minutes. So Trey is a good player. You know, he came in, he shot 37% from three. He averaged eight and four. But I think those are numbers that Sasha can replicate. And it's a system where there's bubble of it. You have two guys who can really make things happen Malik Monk. And um, De'Aaron Fox can get paint, can create, and I think him spacing the floor the way he cuts, the way he moves, he'll be perfect for Mike Brown's offense. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Secondly, um, I don't like Mises' situation only because so many guards in the youth. So I did some research and I looked up, you know, just the positions and what he's up against. All right, Josh Giddy, sixth pick in the draft, averaged seventeen points, eight rebounds, six assists. Played 31 minutes a game, 6'8". At the two, 20 years old, future. Yeah. Obviously, Shea. Shea is one of the best guards in the league, 36 minutes yeah. a night. Talking about a guy who gets almost 32 points a game, does what he wants. He's yeah. he a superstar. A lot of people don't realize it because he's an OKC. Those two spots, off limits, don't care. No one's taking those yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you look at that, that's 10 minutes available at the point guard spot. And then there's only um, 17 minutes available. Um, at the two-guard spot. And that's assuming those guys don't get an increase in minutes. Then you go exactly. to um, Dort. The problem with Dort, he's only 24 years old. He's also making 12 to $13 million a year. He averaged 14 points, five rebounds. Yeah. Could play the two or the three position. 31 minutes right there. Ah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Then you go in, Trey Manns, 18 minutes a game, 22 years old, eight points a game. He's playing big minutes. And then you got to remember that Pokashev, Uh, Ski He um, showed some potential towards the end of the season. He's a footer. He can play the three position. And I say that because teams (laughs) might want to go three guard spots. And he has to fight all these guys for minutes. That's not even counting Isaiah Joe, who had an excellent year. 20 minutes a game, 10 points a game, 41% from three, only 24 years old. So I look at all these guys. I think Mises is a great player. But you see the youth movement. You see the talent. If they tend to struggle, they're going to want to play the younger guys because of development issues, because of potentially getting better draft picks. And you see a lot of teams do that. But if they young guys continue to progress and show themselves, he's going to be in a dogfight for minutes. He's going to be in a role where maybe, maybe if he beats out one of those guys, Isaiah Joe or Trey man, I think more likely it's going to have to be Trey man. Cause Isaiah Joe has kind of submitted himself. That's leaving him with 15 minutes a game. And he's going to be in a, a role that he's never been in at FS on you the know, wing. Cause Shea has the ball. And Josh Giddy has yeah. it all. So can he be effective yeah. as a closeout attack guy, as a guy who's getting transition looks, and as a guy who's getting swing-swings? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen him do it since Zagirish years. Yeah. And I'm curious. But I do think he's an excellent talent. I, I love that he got to do it. I'm rooting for him because it's good for overseas basketball. I just feel like it's a really difficult situation, unlike Sasha,
2: where he comes in and he kind of walks into the spot. Yeah. I, I definitely agree, bro. Uh, being that you broke down uh, Sasha Sacramento. Situation with the whole financials and being that that plays a big role in your minutes being played. I like his chances just because that situation sounds a lot better than Meach's chances. And um, okay, see, so not saying he won't have a chance, but we I haven't seen him play off the ball. So playing with two ball dominant players, that's going to be interesting because Meach is ball dominant. We've never really seen him play off the ball. Not like you said, not saying he can't, but it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. And then another thing, too, is this is not a time to experiment either. You know what I'm saying? This is you in the NBA, you want to be in the best position to, to be successful. You don't want to try things now that you're in a league in which you've never played before. So that, I don't like that aspect of it. But, I mean, obviously, we'll see. And to me, personally, for uh, for Dante, I think he'll have a good shot. Um, Obviously, you got Kyrie and, um, and Luke over there. But um I think for some reason he he gives me the um I feel like he's gonna have a good shot over there to get some solid minutes. And to be honest with you, I think he'll stick. After this year with Dallas, I think he'll end up sticking with either them or someone else for the for the following year. But I don't I don't project Dow, uh I don't project Dante to come back to Europe after this
1: year, to be honest with you. I think Dante will stick because of his size, his athleticism, yeah. his ability to defend. The only problem with Dallas is Everybody else is stationary shooters. So Kyrie and Luca drew the hell yeah. out of the ball. They make everything happen. They create. And everybody's three and D. And so if he doesn't become a good three point shooter at the NBA level, it's going to be probably, he shot a good percentage this year, but it was different type of threes. They were like,
2: yeah, yeah. The closer.
1: Yeah. It's wide yeah. open. You got time yeah. to spin the ball. Look at the crowd. Yeah. Like People weren't closing <laughs> yeah. them out. So I'm wondering. I think the corner three is where he can be successful, put him in a corner, and he needs to become a Dorian Finney-Smith type of player. Energy, athletic, using all those. Let me ask you a
2: question. What do you think about him being a a closeout guy? Swing, swing, closeout guy. How does that work for Dallas? Because now you have Dante going downhill, and he's amazing going downhill, too. So what do you think about you that works?
1: he's a problem downhill i mean he can finish in the paint he has a good euro step he'll finish over top and then he's going to be even more explosive in the nba because of that defensive three second rule and europe yeah, he yeah. was dunking on people with big yeah. staying when, in the paint yeah, yeah, so <laughs> imagine when you got a 2-9 when basically for those who don't know the 2-9 is basically yeah. you only being a second for 2.9 seconds yeah. in key, and you got to get that foot out so i think close out yeah. attacks he'll be excellent i would like to see him uh Probably run more minutes. I think with Kyrie because they'll get out more in transition. With Luca, it's more in yeah. the half court, and I think he can more be more successful, successful with with Kyrie on the court than with Luca, yeah. just based on the style of playing the speed of the game.
0: Yeah, you made yeah. some great points about message fit in the OKC, uh, especially since they traded also for Victor Oladipo and Patty Mills. Of course, it was more related about some you know getting some draft picks, and it's unclear whether any of these guys will stay with the team, but since you already have Shea and Josh Gidde, it's a tough uh, thing because even Vasa, he mentioned a couple of times that he's he's not feeling well when he's playing off ball because he wants to create so much, both for himself and for others, yeah. and he needs ball in his hands. So. I was really surprised that he ended up signing with OKC. I really thought that he was going to be traded and there was a lot of smoke. Uh, I think that these rumors were, I mean, legit because I've heard that, uh, I've talked with a couple of people and they said that, I mean, Utah is very interested in Vasa Misic and I thought that it's really going to happen, that that he's going to be mm. traded over there. So. Him signing there, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised that uh, that during the season, dur- at the trade deadline, VASA will switch teams because as you mentioned, there's not much space for him to to, to thrive uh, under those conditions. Although OKC, they really love him uh, and for sure they talked this situation out with Sam Presti. Uh, there's a lot of hype in the OKC around VASA, so we'll see how they're going to figure it out. Now yeah, it, it, sure. it it looks strange. It looks weird. It it looks tough. But maybe there's something behind it. For Real. sure, we'll
3: see. I
1: mean, they paid them well, so you know, at least if they don't use them correctly, at least he'll get paid good. <laughs>
4: <laughs> really,
1: <though. laughs> really.
2: That's one true. thing about it. One thing about it, you can't lose a row and money. You can't lose yeah. both.
1: Oh, that's a no-no. That is bad for your career. You only take less money for a good role. If the role is bad, you got to pay me more. 100%.
3: exactly.
0: (laughs) Guys, I've checked the list of top 20 most efficient EuroLeague players per performance index rating. And this summer, we already have as many as three players from that top 20 who moved to the NBA. And the last time so many most efficient EuroLeague players left for for the NBA was in 2017. To be honest, it was Ekpe Udo, Miloš Stavdosic, uh, Bogdan Bogdanović, and Shane Larkin in in the summer of t- 2017. So there are big shoes to fill uh, right now in Europe. And I have question about each team that lost one of the key players. So if you're FSGM, who do you sign as the best replacement for Vasa Misic? Wow. I don't
2: even know who's available. I got it. It's easy. I'm trying for to me it's y'all.
0: also no brainer
1: Darius Thompson, I've been saying it for the longest. Um, mm. With Shane, you have to put a taller guard. Um, with Shane, just so that, you know, defensively you don't have to wear out all his energy. You want to keep him explosive, you want to keep him in attack mode, you want to keep him being Shane Larkin. So if you get a guard who is yeah. defensively, who has size, um, who can also do the playmaking, take away a lot of the stress from him having to carry the load. Allow him to be the score he is, allow Clyburn to be the score he is. Darius is the yeah. guy who can make everything go, and I think he'll be a better fit than Vasa with that trio only because he can play off the ball. He off doesn't ball, need yeah. to play with the ball. Down. He played with Marcus Howard. He played with myself. He's used to ball-dominant guards. He's used to mm-hmm. finding a way to make it work, so I think that was the problem with the this year. It was so many great players, so many options with those three. It kind of, like, took away because they're all better with the ball. Will is the one that can play without the ball, but... Mm-hmm even this year he was excellent with it so it's kind of like what do you do but with Darius he gives you that balance um that size athleticism and I said it before I think he's like Nick Calathis in his prime at those penaltinical years but he shoots it better almost a 40 percent three-point shooter he's extremely athletic Yep. and he's that type of defender Nick is a good defender good passer so he he's like that obviously he has to continue to evolve Nick is one of the best passers I've seen in the pick and roll but he reminds me of an athletic, better shooting version of Nick Calatas, which is scary. Um, and then let's say you couldn't get him and you couldn't find him on a market or the buyout problem with Basconia didn't work out. My second choice, he's not the playmaker, but he has the size and he's the defender, is Daniel Hackett, a guy that comes in, does the dirty work. He's mm-hmm. physical, he's smart, um, and it will put more offensive stress on Shane and Will, but I think they're yeah. capable of carrying that load. And he'll come in and he's comfortable playing alongside those type of players. He did it with, Milos. Mm-hmm. he did it in Cheska with, um, with Mike, with uh, Sergio Rodriguez, um, with the Colo. So like those type of guys, you know, I really like, but Darius Thompson is, I think the the perfect choice. And I don't even like to say it because I feel like Ephesus is listening to me. We already lost to him in the finals and I, I don't want to make the team better, but <laughs> yeah. <you
2: know. laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick right there, bro. I didn't even think about it. That's that's a good pick. To be honest, with you, I haven't even been all season. Me, I've been I've been chilling, man. I try not to read too much. I'm trying to enjoy my summer. So but that's a really, really good pick though, being that you uh broke that down. Is he the only point guard available? Yeah.
1: Point guard market is extremely thin. Like it's just, Okay, see
2: I know I knew I wasn't about I it. mean Kevin
1: Pangos is also available. I don't I don't like that fit. Two small undersized guards. Yeah. Um
0: and and then then there's also, also Costas Lucas, but probably it's kind of. Lucas, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then um, mm-hmm. F.A. Lumber is supposedly supposed to be available too. Lumber, Lumber, yes, yes. So there there's some options, but I think Darius is the uh, cream of the crop for the point yeah. of position.
0: Yeah. And from what I've heard, at least multiple sources told me that Darius Thompson is seen as the front runner to take that position. Uh, although he's still. Keeps his NBA options open. It feels like that he has some, still has some NBA uh, hopes, uh, at least mm. to wait for a few more days in the free agency to look to explore his options uh, over there. But if it's Europe, I think it will be FS because, first of all, uh, FS will unload a huge contract of Asiria Misic, which is cl- around yeah. 3.5 million. And also, they are getting a buyout from the OKC. So they can both pay good to Darius Thompson and also to pay this around 500,000 euro buyout uh, to Basconia, So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I didn't think about Daniel Hackett. It, it makes it makes some sense as well, uh, especially when Virtus tries to unload some big contracts. And I believe that uh, Hackett might be one of the, let's say, better paid players in Virtus. So in case something goes wrong with Darius Thompson, Daniel yeah. Hackett would be an interesting advice to the GM of, of FS Eric.
1: Yeah, I hope they're not listening. I mean, they're already good enough, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to make our job harder on Kevin in the EuroLeague and on me in the Turkish League.
0: <laughs> and there's Sasha Vizenskov's shoes to fill, and let's say Nikola Mirotic takes another offer; he's not going there. To make mm-hmm. this discussion more exciting, because it's an easy choice, Nikola yeah, yeah. Mirotic. It's he's the best stretch for in the markets available. Who do you sign? Who do you take? Because I, I. From what I've I've heard, from what I was researching, it feels like that's so hard to find elite level stretch four in Europe.
1: Oh, that's tough. That's tough. So partisan is mean, good right
0: now with Zach Lide. I mean, they're they're good. They're good for yeah. this summer.
1: I like I like Zach a lot. Like he's a guy that for sure uh, would have been high on the list. The way he shoots, can post, his versatility, yeah. and defense, he's tough. You can slide him to the five if you go small, like I mean he'd have been an ideal get, you know, Partizan fan, don't worry, he's coming back to y'all. You know, I'm just saying, <laughs> right <laughs> mm-hmm. I've I seen know. the
2: rumors, man. I seen the rumors. I seen the rumors. We're well, right, gonna have to we're gonna have to get this together, man. Is that what you doing, man? In the rumors, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another guy I guess I like. Um, he's under contract, He's not free. Um, I think Roland Smith. Um you know, as Aguirre, he wow. would a, a good fit, good size, versatility. Can go to the
0: four. To five. He just he just
2: resigned back, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, resigned
0: until it. 2026, I think, or 2025. Yeah, but true. for sure, if the big club comes, I wouldn't be surprised if he could be bought out. But I'm not sure about this summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think
1: he would have been a great fit. Um And then next, I'm trying to think like the four position who is free.
2: I know, I know. uh Derek Williams just became free. Just throwing mm-hmm. that out there because I just recently seen that. Um yeah. because it's tough. I'm not sure who's really free. I don't I don't know. Um, okay.
0: I'll check the list of names that I have on my free. Derrick Williams list.
1: is a good player. I think he's better with the ball. Um, but I like him. Mm-hmm. I think it they gotta try to find someone who's a knockdown catch and shoot who doesn't need the ball because Olympiakos yeah. on that offense that's not really a yeah. dribble leg, a lot of movement yeah i'm trying to think of four like a great catch and shoot guy but who also can rebound because sasha's special like it's you're not going to yeah. probably replace that yeah. you're probably going to have to get one four who's a shooter and then one four who's athletic defender rebounding that's probably the best you can do and for the money he made you can do that split hit budget instead of just getting if you can't get miritich get two guys to kind of do what he does
0: yeah yeah, so on the markets uh, there is uh, Devin Booker, uh, Ben Bentel, Chris Singleton, Philippe Petrushev, Derek Williams, Luigi Datome, uh Luis Solinde. He's not a real stretch four; he can play multiple positions, but he can kind of fit that profile. You know, uh, you know
2: what's crazy though—that that will be a really good fit, though.
0: All in to Olympiakos because he don't need the only ball only because he doesn't
2: need the ball he can shoot the three he's really good at backdoor he can finish above the rim like he does yeah. all the little things that Olympiacos likes that they like in players he does yeah. all of them so that wouldn't to be honest that wouldn't be a bad fit at all and he's one of those type of players like if you're not paying attention he'll hit you over half for 15 points you trying to figure out like what just happened yeah. like what like backdoor he's he's the guy that gets you yelled at in film.
3: <laughs> because we are not looking
2: back door. I told you he's going back door, you know, you know what I'm saying? So really, really good player. Uh he has good size. Um, he he he's a tough guard to be honest. With you. He's a tough guard. He can shoot it, beat up the dribble, close out. So he's a he, he's a good player, in my in my opinion.
1: Yes. He does not that system.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. also Peter Cornelly, who was uh, who just parted the ways for Real Madrid as well. He can also stretch the floor and he 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 can also rebound. Um you know who I like?
1: I don't. I don't yeah. know if he's free. Uh James Webb from Valencia. He's athletic. Mm. He can shoot. He shot thirty eight percent from three this year. Um, you know he has solid numbers in the Spanish league. Twenty one minutes, eight points a game. He's a little physical. Four rebounds. Like I, I think he would be a good That's fit. A good he's, he's cost effective. You know he won't be near the price of Sasha, but I think he could be an interesting choice because he brings a little bit more athleticism and defense than Sasha, bro.
0: Yeah, I've checked some stats, and I tried to check the three points made per game. Uh, and I tried to check all those uh, high-volume shooting power forwards. So, yeah. Mirotic is on top of the list with two maids per game. Bezankov is 1.98. Dubljevic is 1.93, but he's more of a center. Derek Williams, 1.68. And James Webb, 1.66. There's, then there's also Semi one point 1.46, great addition by mm. Valencia, a mm. uh, Martin yeah. Baia to with 1.36, and Matt Costello, by the way, Matt Costello is an interesting Matt Costello, I like cool. him a lot, a good player. but the problem is that he is under this heavy contract with Bosconia. I heard that his buyout is, you know, as crazy as it can be in Bosconia. so, unless, of course, Olympiacos will also get a lot of money, first of all, from Sasha's contract, Something between 1.5 to 2 million per season for the next year. It, mm. it was supposed to be like that, and also there's this 1.5 million buyout. So basically, you can also make Bosconia happy and sign an interesting uh, power forward, as Matt Costello is. How much is the buyout? Uh, I mean, there's no real buyout. If it's so over five hundred, Bosconia can I make just, up anything. I just,
1: oh, I would just take James Webb. It's easier. Like it's just too much. Like.
0: <laughs> is he a free agent? I'm not sure if he's a free agent though. Yeah, I wonder. But I, think, but I, I do like I Castilla. So.
1: Castilla is good. Um got good size, shoes it, he's physical, he's tough. I like him, but I mean if they can just make up any number, that's a little bit outrageous.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so if Mirotic is not going there, I mean I, that's why I believe that as soon as he gets out gets out of Barcelona he will be recruited so high because if he lose Mirotic, it means that the selection of power forwards, of stretch four guys is, is really tough. And I think that, you know, the best thing would be having a great scouting department. And I would check borderline NBA players, G League players, players I know yeah. who played in South Korea, Japan. Because for instance, I remember a couple of seasons ago, Locomotive, uh, locomotive uh, signed Kevin Hervey, who I liked a lot as a stretch four. He had some short stint with Virtus. There were some things that went wrong, but he was, for me, I thought that he's a future superstar at the EuroLeague level in a stretch four position, but something didn't happen. You know, it didn't turn out in a good way. So he's kind of out. He he signed in Italy, I think.
3: Yeah,
1: I like him. He's, He's a prototypical four. Athletic, shoots it can post a little bit nice face game I think uh sometimes it's just your, your setting I know in local he was really good uh sometimes you go to a different system or you know you're not used you know how you're traditionally used to being used and you struggle mm-hmm. uh, and it's not to mean you're a bad player sometimes the system just doesn't fit you and you'll see it with guys when they switch teams uh, but that's an interesting question uhnans um, I was wondering what position is more thin um the point guard position or the four position? Because it sounds like there's
0: not like a ton of options
1: um, in the market right now, currently.
0: It depends on what kind of point guard you're looking for. Because uh, you can say that on the market, there's Slukas, Darius Thompson, Pangos, Shabazz Napier, uh, Teodosic, uh, Maudolo, uh, what else? Okay, the list is not so long, but I mean, I think that there are more elite point guards compared to the stretch four guys. Although we all know that, you know, at least in European basketball, you don't need a, let's say, a ball dominant power forward. And for instance, I thought about Dario Saric, who I don't see getting a rich deal in the NBA. He likes European basketball, and I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to return, but I'm not sure if he's the best fit for Olympiagos because he also, as Vasa Misic, he feels the best when he, he can be this, you know, point forward. He can create. He can do a lot of things with the ball. And Olympiagos, yeah. it's a little bit different system uh, out there. But for any other European team, I would yeah. really consider trying to lure uh, Sharich to Europe. Yeah, and the, the last, the last shoes that we have to fill: uh, Partizan and Dante Exum's position. So, Kevin, are you guys recruiting Costas Lucas right now, or you have a different name?
2: I don't know. Um, I'm not too sure to be honest with you. Um, you see that smile? He was, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what his. Uh, I don't know what his contract situation is like. You know, he might have to do some research. I don't he's know. He's a free but agent. I, I'm he's not, a free agent. So wait. So he's totally a free agent. He doesn't have <laughs> yep. the, the option. Really.
0: Exactly. He's
1: free to go I'm to. Cool. And he wants more I'm minutes. Cool. And there's a lot of minutes in partisan at that point guard position.
2: A lot of minutes I mean, available. I mean, we'll see what happens, man. Now, now I haven't spoken. To, um, I haven't spoken to Slukas. Me and him don't have a relationship. Obviously, I played with guys that played with him, but um. So with this, I'm kind of just sitting back, seeing what happens, and kind of just reading the news. I'm just kind of just taking it from there.
0: What kind of point guard would fit your team best? Because this whole part is on. I don't know if it's Jelko's yeah. idea, but you know, you have so many different point guards. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't consider it as real point guards because they're all unique. Like Yamadar, yeah, Alexa, yeah. even Dante. He was not a typical point yeah. guard. So, yeah, was they got related. Yeah, they Hoopers. Yeah, yeah. They don't
1: got point guards.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: first, I feel like we would need a point guard that can uh, play for Coach. Uh, obviously, we know we know you know how Coach is. Uh, you have to have a player that can play for him. And I say that meaning you can be a specific type of player style, but if you can't play for the demands of how our coaches, it can be difficult for you. So you can shoot the ball great and do this great and do that great. But I feel like it has to be some kind of connection there with coach because, you know, he's not the easiest coach to play for. You know what I'm saying? So it can be difficult playing for coach. So for me, I feel like the number one thing would would be – you have to understand, you're going to get yelled at. You're going to, you know, he wants you to be that great of a player. So he's going to be high on you. He's going to be, he's going to be on you every, he's going to be riding you every single day. So we have to have a point guard that can take that number one. And that will have to be a guard with experience. So obviously, if Lucas has a ton of experience. He's played for him. So ideally, that would be, that would be good. Um, obviously, Darius Thompson is out there. Um, but I'm not too sure, you know, with his what his situation is, um, for us, I think that's that's the biggest thing. I feel like um, watching Yom grow over the years, when he first started, and then to now, he's under he's understood like okay, like coach wants this, he wants that. Because when Yam first came, listen, I'll tell you this, he didn't. It was it was tough for him. It was tough. <laughs> he was coming in with the with the flashy, behind the you know what I'm saying. Like you know, so it was like <laughs> coach really really calms him down to take him into more of a point guard. Not saying he wasn't before, but just take them to more of a of a PG in which he can, you know, pretty much play for anyone, any style, any anything like that. So for me, that would be the main thing is just is just whoever it is, he they would have to specifically understand how coach is and, and understand what he wants before anything. So and kind of just take it from there. So that's kind of like a hard question in a way. You know, like Alexa, he's never played point guard until last year. That was his first time. So watching him from then till now, he's grown so much. You know what I'm saying? So just things like that, that's why I say that. But I really feel like any – I'm not a point guard, and I feel like I've taken on point guard duties this season, and I'm not. But a part of that had to do with I know what coach wants, and I know what kind of passes he wants us to make at that point guard position. So for me, just understanding the game of basketball, understanding him, I took it on my plate to, okay, let me play the point when need be and make these certain reads that he's looking for that will help the team. So with understanding that, that has helped the team and helped me. But if I didn't understand that and didn't care to understand that, I would struggle or it would be hard for me to be on the ball as much as I've been on the ball. So. That's kind of like, you know, that was just an example of, of kind of just breaking that down.
0: Eric, do you think that Lucas would be a good fit uh, for Partizan or you prefer another guard?
1: I, I like Lucas I think um, he's really good in the pick and row. Um, he's got a really nice mid-range game, you know, with him and Kevin in the, that area. could be tough for a lot of teams. He can shoot the three. Um, He already knows what uh, Abravish wants, how to run the offense. You know, he knows how to deal with the demands. I mean, he's the ideal choice. He's probably too expensive. You know, um, Kevin and Zach Daniel took a lot of the money. So, like, they might have to look for another option. (laughs) But um, I do think that he's a really good player. Um, I have a sleeper, though, for them. And, you know, I think think he'd be perfect. Um, You know, he uh, played in the Euro Cup this year. Um, He was in the Turkish League took his team to the finals they lost um and they lost in the semifinals to us jerry and grant um he's like six four um he's strong he gets to the hole he can play pick and roll he can create he can defend i mean he was the ultimate leader of their team this year carried him um had him having success um he's also a guy who comes from a basketball pedigree you know with his brother playing for the trailblazers his other brother playing overseas Um, i was really impressed with him um you know i think um he was a mvp of uh but yeah. The up, the up. And,
3: you know,
1: just just the way he can get in the paint, he can attack, and you know, with with Dante leaving, they're gonna need a slasher. You know, you know, Kevin can yeah. drive, but he's better in that creating a shot, shooting ISO threes, coming off the pick and roll to the jumper to the mid range. But with Grant, you got a guy who's getting downhill who's gonna help you get in the bonus. And then you got to remember with Lazort gone, they're not gonna get as many bonus opportunities as many free throws because that's a big who has the energy who's drawing fouls and you know, who's doing those type of things. So I think they need another guy who can draw fouls, but who can handle the demands of, you know, helping to lead a team. And he won't have to do near as much at Partizan because they have um, more playmakers, more creators, so it will be easier for him. But i seen him carry a team this year, and I was, I was highly impressed. And, you know, I liked what he does on the court.
2: That was a good one, bro.
1: Not lie, that was a good one. And you know, I mean, he make good money, but you know, it's there's different levels, you know. So like, this will be comfortable <laughs> for the budget, you know. <laughs>
2: I remember yeah, watching serving. him when he had his yeah. stint when he had his stint with uh when he was at Milan. I remember watching him when he had a stint, with, and I watched him a little bit when he was uh, at Turk Telecom this past year. Had a, had a really good year. So
3: and you
1: and you I see him, him grow, grow a bit. He,
2: he about six four. I, I, he grew so much like
1: in Milan. I could tell he was trying to find his footing. He couldn't really get comfortable. Yeah. But Milan is yeah. a place that's really tricky. Like, a lot of guys go there and they just, they never find the confidence or they forget how to yeah. play basketball. And then uh, guys yeah. leave and they refresh. So, yeah. I think when he left, he got his feet under him. He started to adjust and he was comfortable with who he was and what he needed. And I think now mm. that next step, it's kind of like Dante in Barcelona. Like, he was a shell of himself. Like, it's like two different players. The guy i seen at Partizan. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. a player. And then the guys yeah. here at Barcelona, I was wondering, like, uh, this guy was drafted six. Yeah. So, like, you kind of, like, you see the balance and it's all about the system and then the coach is still in confidence in you. And, and some places are difficult yeah. to play. Definitely,
2: definitely.
0: Yeah, and he's a great defender. And I'm I'm really surprised that he hasn't signed with the Euroleague uh, team yet. So, I hope he gets that chance because he really deserves a that. A
2: lot of time. Still a lot of time, a lot of time, you know, players moving around, everyone's making decisions, so it's still a lot of time. It's not too late. What's the uh, July 3rd? So, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: 15 points, six assists in the Euro Cup. It really, I mean, good versatility there. So that's just an option. You know, if y'all want to break the bank, if y'all want to, you know, y'all want to send a little bit of bread, you know, (laughs) send a a small bricks truck instead of a big bricks truck, you know, there's your option.
0: (laughs) Mm. Speaking about big trucks, uh, next EuroLeague NBA move you would love to see? EuroLeague NBA move? I'll try Mm. to help you a little bit. For instance, Eddie Tavares, he received yeah, wanted, the Portland Trail Blazers offer, but there's this huge buyout, which is even more than the the one Facundo Campasso had, and he had a 6 million euro buyout, and this one is even bigger. There's also Gershon Yabusele uh, getting uh, NBA uh, interest. Darius Thompson, as I mentioned, Luis Olinde, uh, he also had a few NBA workouts mm-hmm. he will play in the Summer League. There's this, uh, I mean, Eric knows that guy very well, Oberalp Bitim from uh, from from Bursa Spor. So there are a few guys already, but maybe there are also some sleepers that could make a, a really good fit in the NBA.
1: I really want to see Walter Tavares. Um, I don't think he should go this year because it just doesn't make sense to spend that type of money. Uh, just wait next year if they want you uh, this year, they'll want you next year. You know, he's going to be dominant early to get... Uh, No need to spend six million something and constantly letting them get into your pocket. So just finish out the season. But, you know, he just I think the first time he was in the lead, um, he was kind of like trying to find his way. He still was a little bit doppy, a little bit uncoordinated, like getting used to his body and getting used to the game. I don't know if he picked up the game late, but just seeing his growth from there to coming to Grand Canary, I was like, okay, I didn't really like his game that much. I thought he was a long way away. Um, There were so many things that you know, seemed like was uh, he was constantly reacting instead of making things happen. And then at then we went to Real Madrid, people were surprised, but then he was like, okay. And then that second year at Real Madrid, I was like, wow, like this is the guy that used to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like I was seeing so much growth. And then that next year, I was like, oh, he's legit. Like it, it's a different level. And just to see like how he defends, you know, how he's able to move at that size and things, I think he will have some issues 'Cause he won't be able to camp in a paint and protect the rim. Um, that will be a problem. The speed of the game will be a problem. Um, and then there will be guys that can match his physicality. Now, I think in Europe, we just can't match that physicality, that size. Like it's just it's yeah. a different ball game. But in the league, they have guys who are maybe not seven two, but they're seven foot and they're just as strong and they jump higher. And so like those type of things could be you know, a dilemma for him. But I do want to see how he can perform. And I think he could be effective if used properly in the right system with the right type of guards. I'm not sure how much he would bring offensively because in the NBA, um, they play a drop defense. So there's not going to be many lob opportunities for him. But I think defensively he could make a presence if he can really adapt quickly to um, the defensive three seconds and the key rule.
2: Yeah, probably, yeah, I'd probably say Tavares probably also. I'm just trying to think of who else, who's, like, more some sleepers. Like, just because he's played in the league already. So, I'm trying to more so think of someone else that, let's say, has never played in the league that could maybe, you know, show something. Um, how many years was Tavares with Cleveland? Maybe he, played, but he kind of played Shit. like twelve
0: games in total. So yeah, they
1: were sending him Got back it. and forth to the G. He was going to the G and coming back. Got like. you. Got so you. He's he yeah. stayed in the league like two and a half years, but he didn't really get yeah. much tick.
2: Yeah. I mean for me, Tavares is always yeah. interesting, obviously, because of the rules. The 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 rules is completely different in the NBA than in Europe. So, like you said, you can't, can't paid in the game, it's much faster. So for me, it's just like I I'd rather just try to maybe see somebody else. Not saying he won't be able to adjust, but I think he's dominating over here. Why not continue to dominate? I mean, that's just how I look at it. Um, but I, that's my take on it. Uh, who who else you said was? Um, what other names you had said?
0: Darius Thompson, uh, Yabusele, olende Yeah, uh, Yabusele
2: was also in the league. I mean, his his game. I feel like with uh. Would transition over. I feel like eat more easier than Tavares, just because yeah. he's been there. Obviously, he could shoot the three, you know, four man. He, he could guard three, fours, maybe even five. So I feel like his game translates more than Tavares. So and then obviously he played there also. I think thought he was pretty solid when he was with Boston. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, is. You know, I think that uh, that'd be a good fit. yeah
0: yeah, I would. I would actually really love seeing Eddie Tavares going to Portland this year. Uh, I would like to have to see Real Madrid reducing the buyout because mm-hmm. next year he can walk away for free. So uh, if you want to keep the player happy, first of all, it's it's a combination of a lot of things. So Tavares signs with Portland, and as a kind of a trade, you get Willy Hernan Gomez from the NBA who I don't see getting anything more than a minimum. And although he's a really efficient guy, I'm not sure if he has the NBA future. So he gets back, uh, he's a Spanish player, he's still at his peak, he can dominate in FIBA basketball as he did in Eurobasket as becoming the MVP Mm -hmm. of the tournament. So he has Spanish passport, fans would love him. And Eddie would be happy too. And you're not risking of you know, seeing Tavares walking away for free no. next summer. So I, I would see it as a win-win situation for both. Although I think that Tavares would make a bigger impact in the EuroLeague than Hernan Gomez. And it's it would still hurt Real Madrid. But if you don't want to ruin your relationship with the player, and if you have a chance to bring back the great Spanish player, which counts a lot in yeah. the ACB, maybe that's a great, you know... It's a di- solution for both. Yeah. The, the,
1: the problem is, though, I, I think you make great points. That's a hundred percent correct. It will be perfect trade off offensively. You will get you know all the things you need passport wise. But Real Madrid has defensive issues, and Tavares covers all of that. So, like, Every, if you get rid of Tavares, yeah. they're gonna have to play defense. They're gonna have to keep the ball out the paint. The, go- the big is gonna have to come up on the pick and roll. Like, you're not gonna yeah. to rely on something like he is just. He changes everything inside the paint. He eliminates any driving attempts, any floaters, any finishes. I've seen excellent big mans just get null, like in the game. They couldn't <laughs> score. They couldn't do nothing. Like they're guys who normally get rebounds, go up, dunk it. They're over there pump faking, get blocked. So like he really eliminates yeah. part of the game, and I think he allows a lot of defenders who have some weaknesses and who maybe have some deficiencies to be hidden. And if he yeah. leaves. A lot of stuff will come to the oh, forefront. Oh, opens up. Yeah. Oh, it,
2: oh. Hey, listen, it <laughs> opens up. i tell you this I'm get, I'm, Hey, I'm getting happy thinking about it. <laughs> it opens up. Because I told you now, he gave me, I'm a pull-up guy. And I couldn't even get my pull-ups off the way I wanted to in that series. Just because he's so active. And it's like he's there, but he's not there. You think you got the shot you get to your shooting pocket, and it's like you just see him swatting. It's just like, it's like, man. So, listen, if he goes to Portland, wish you the best, bro. Because that's <laughs> going to open everything up. That's going to open everything up in and, Euro' uh, and EuroLeague for guys, man.
1: Yeah, you can't yeah, see so the basket just, when you try to pull up on him. It's, it's man, over.
2: bro, it's, it's ridiculous, bro. Like I've never in my life had played against a player. Like he's so dominant, bro, It's it's like it's ridiculous, bro. Like it's just insane. It's crazy. But I wish him the best though for sure.
0: So yeah, let's send Tavares and Yabusela to the NBA and it's a open <laughs> highway for the partisan in the Euro League. <laughs> By the way, KP, did you have any NBA opportunities, NBA talks, NBA interest this yeah. off season?
2: Yeah, we was talking with uh the Raptors, really, really heavy. I thought uh I thought that was gonna be uh an opportunity. We was I've um, we've been speaking with them for a while now, so I thought it was possible that I was gonna go to uh, Toronto, but it, it didn't it didn't work out. Um, obviously this this is a game of leverage. You know you can't you can't give the NBA too much of your leverage because they'll take it and run with it. So, uh, but it just didn't work out. So I was like you know back to Europe I go. But yeah I thought I thought uh I thought I'm gonna have some NBA this this past summer.
0: Mm-hmm. It didn't work out because of the head coach that you have point, uh, pointed, or you you nah, got some great more, offers in Europe.
2: No, nah, a little. It wasn't more so the coach thing. It was obviously Europe played a role, but it was just you know, role. Where do you guys? Where do you guys see me with your team? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you? Am I going to have to come before a camp? If I come before a camp, does that guarantee me? you know, uh, a vet minimum? Does is, is it a non-guarantee? You know what I'm saying? So once we started getting into the fine details of that, then it was okay, you guys on this? Okay, cool. You know, no problem. Just, you know, just trying to figure out you know, what's, what's is it is it real? Is it real or not? A lot of times these NBA situations, it it, it isn't real. You know, they'll give you a non-guaranteed and a, kind of like a alright, if, if it works out cool, if it doesn't, then you'll go. So a lot of that stuff doesn't be real. So that situation for me, like, it was real, but, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth at. So that's kind of, like, how that situation went. I'm sorry. Back to Europe we go. And then the
1: problem is with the NBA a lot of times, the roster moves happen much later. So they're not sure yeah. what's going to happen in free agency. What's they're not on? sure the moves. They're not sure who's going to leave. So they may think that they're good here and they're going to bring in a guy that plays, let's say, the five position. And then a five leaves in free agency. Um, and now – one leaves two and now they have to decide all right do we want the five or the one like so many different changes occur yeah. and what happens in Europe is you wait too long you can miss out on a really good offer in Europe but they're going to go to the next guy and once you start getting to a certain amount of money when you're talking about seven-figure contract it's extremely yeah. difficult to, to t- tell them to pause and wait when you got teams in Europe who are salvating to have you who are showing you they want yeah. you appreciate you who love you and then you got an NBA team who's like, yeah, we we like you. But it's different. It's like a, one girl wants to marry you, and she's willing to to be the best wife. And one girl is like, you know, we can go on some dates. You know, I, I like you. you. You're cute. That's kind of yeah. how the NBA treats a lot of European players. And that's why I'm rooting for all these guys to, who go over there to succeed because I want to see them, yeah, exactly. them open to both sides, you know, for guys, not just Americans, but Europeans as well.
2: Sure. I just want the NBA to just realize, like, this translates. I feel like they still in the world where they feel like if you have never touched an NBA court, do you understand. How, the, I feel like people don't understand how hard it is is to get a guaranteed contract in the league where you have never played a single game. But they'll give someone that has played, let's say, twenty games in the league. It's easier for that guy to go back to the league because to them they feel like, oh, you've played here already, so it translates some way somehow. So they'll be more comfortable with giving him a contract than someone that has never ever played a game. And I'm speaking out of experience with just seeing it. And then yep. so and then for me, I'm just like, how did that happen? If numbers wise, physically, I'm better than this player. But when you break it down, all oh, he has is right. When you break it down, all oh, he's played, let's say 20 games already. So they feel more comfortable. So once I started to understand the business side of that part, I kind of let that, I kind of, Started to let that dream go. I'm just like, listen, I'm happy in Europe. I'm living an amazing life in Europe. I'm I'm good on that. I'm
1: good. It's a it's a fraternity. Uh and it's very difficult to break in. But once you break in yeah. you get a couple once people you break like in. you, you can stick. Exactly. But but getting in the door it's extremely difficult. And when I was um younger and coming up, I was in situations like you and you know, I chose to stay the European right. But obviously during this time, I'm a little bit older, the minimums were way yeah. different.
3: When was I was over. coming up,
1: my chances the minimums were four hundred and seventy three thousand gross agent fee. Oh no, four percent. Oh no, and then I was like, oh hell no, it's over. Like, there's no yeah. way. There's no way. Like, and that's still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but like, I was, at that time I was playing in China. Like, you're asking me to take four or five times less, and, yeah. and then to maybe play to be maybe third point so guard, maybe. And, yeah, like, nah, if a guy gets hurt, there'd be minutes for you. And for me, that wasn't appealing. To some guys, they just want to go to the lead to say they made the lead. Yeah. But for me, if I was going to go, I wanted to be in a position where I was happy. And I had the minimum contracts, but I was like 26 at the time. And it just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't financially appealing in the role, Like we said earlier, I would have been okay with the smaller money um, if I wasn't, if I would have got the offer earlier and yeah, if I would have got yeah. minutes. So like either offer me earlier in my career when I'm not making X amount of dollars or say, you know what, you're gonna play 18 to 20 minutes. And then i I would have been willing to bet on myself. Like, okay. But, yeah, yeah. but to be to be DMP, you know, don't play for a month, yeah, thrown out there. Like that's... this is not a place to succeed. This is impossible.
2: And <laughs> that 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 messes, that messes with your emotions, man. Like I'm an ultimate competitor. You know what I'm saying? If I see I'm better than you, let me compete. A lot yeah. of times, guys even aren't even given an opportunity to compete. Like, that'll mess with a player's emotions. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. that'll, that'll sent a, a player into depression, man. Like, yeah. for real. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you feel like I can be playing and then I turn down, let's say, some nice European offers to go over there and play. Yep. Oh, man. that uh that that's, that's not a good feeling. That's that's not a good feeling at all.
1: It'll break you mentally.
0: For real. Yeah. How stressful you feel watching some some of these guys signing nine-figure contracts in the NBA? That's a, that's a follow-up topic that we have. Uh, I, I yeah. know that KP is just chilling with this new deal, so he was not following <laughs> the news uh, that much. But Eric, what were your top out-of-control NBA contracts this offseason?
2: Uh-huh. Out of control in a good way or a bad way?
0: in a very bad way
2: <laughs> okay 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 go ahead, Eric. go ahead go ahead.
0: so
1: so it's like i was on different spectrums and so i like to i like players who not only play at a high level but when i think about stuff i think about it differently than the fans so i'm thinking can you take over games can you make your team win all right number one most fans think that way then i think statistically what have you done number two but then the third thing which fans don't think about i think about do you sell tickets? Um, do you sell jerseys? What's your notoriety? Because I know all these things are tied together because this is a business. And as, as a player, if you hope the owners make money, it warrants them paying X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. So one thing I thought was like, I feel like he was disrespected. He should have been paid more, but I understand the Clippers didn't have the money, but I thought other people should Westbrick at 8 million for two years. I mean, he was excellent. Uh, wow. The last, when he got traded to the Clippers, he was, Wow. Playing phenomenal basketball. He was getting downhill. He was attacking. He looked like Westbrook of old, and I felt like he deserved more money. And I knew the Clippers were handicapped. They couldn't do it, but I was wondering where were the offers from the other teams throughout the league. So I felt this was crazy. And then I know Houston has to pay more, but there's no state tax there. I know that they're in a situation where they have all these young guys. They have a bad basketball um, IQs and maturity levels down there. And they're trying to make a change. They're trying to make a splash. So I know you have to overpay a little bit, but Dylan Brooks, 80 million, four years. I felt like this was a little bit too much. I do like Dylan as a player. I think he's a good defensive player. Um, I think he's an irritant. I think he's someone that you need to kind of switch things up on your team. But I think there's not any other team in the league that would have gave him 80 over four. I think he would have been sufficient at, let's say, 50 over four, 40 over four that would have been sufficient. I understand the market more than a lot of other people. My brother's the president. I know the CVA. I know, you know, what was agreed upon. I know that you have to spend 90% of the cap. Uh, the cap's 123 million. So a lot of guys are going to get more money because the cap grows every year. It's going to grow 10% projected mm-hmm. every year. And if these teams do not spend the money, there's a harsh tax. And all these owners have to pay that. And they're panicking. They don't want to pay that tax. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the European guys getting these big deals because they have to spend that money. Or you pay a tax and you give it. And then the people who stay within the salary cap, those teams collect that money. So a lot of a lot of people probably don't understand that. So I know that you have to pay more. I get it. But I feel like there's other players that you could have possibly given more money to. And then uh I mean, I love Fred Van Fleet. I think he is tough. I think he has heart. I think he's a leader. I think I, I love his game. I don't know necessarily if he should get as much money as Kyrie Irving ish, forty three million a year, but I do think like he's special player. But woof one hundred thirty million over three—that's that, a lot of money. Yeah, um, that is. is. And then Halliburton for the Pacers, I like him a lot too. But two hundred seven million over five—that
2: I think that that two—I think he <laughs> deserved every bit of that two sixty. In my opinion. So? I do think he's uh, great, uh,
1: but I think he got it because they can't get a lot of free agents to go to Indiana. He had a great year come off all star mm-hmm. season. And when you get a good young player, you kind of have to keep him. And you that's mm-hmm. why the other ball gets to 260. Because he he yeah. sells tickets, he's must see TV, but he can't get his team to the playoffs. So are you worth 260? Is it's probably relative.
2: So, so I got a, so I got a question in What really matters then? Because because we talk about we talk about you're relevant, you sell jerseys, you do this and that, but you don't play a game. But you play all the games, but you're not marketable. So, like, where's the balance? And you know what I'm saying? Like, why yeah. does one guy get $200 million, but then people question that? And then, like, a guy like Dylan Brooks, which I feel like he deserved the, the, the 80, just because of what he brought to that Grizzly team. I feel like a lot of people would say he doesn't deserve that 80 because of the antics. If he doesn't do a lot of the antics, does he deserve that 80? In, In my himself. opinion.
1: Yeah, he's not himself. You he, get what I'm he saying? Wouldn't, so he wouldn't like, be the player he is without that.
2: And then Fred, he gets 130, but the last, I think, maybe two seasons, he hasn't had a good year. Yeah. So that's like, but then you said though, these teams have to spend that money. So for me, like watching as a as a player, it's like, where do they draw the like like, like what is the limit this? Like, like, like where's the limit? Like, it's just, and this is part of the NBA that could be confusing. Because we'll see this, and then someone that's really, really good, they'll give him the short end of the stick.
1: Yeah, like Jordan, right. Jordan Clarkson, fifty-five million, three years. He deserves yeah. more. I mean, he is yeah. tough. He could do everything offensively. He played great. I, I don't get it. Like, I think he deserves a bigger contract based on these market and these numbers. And you know, I try to like come in with a, a understanding of what teams are looking at, and like you, sometimes I'm left um, baffled because who I think is a good player, is getting great money, 18 a year. Yeah. But is, is Ben Fleet two and a half times better than him? I it, wouldn't say so, but his salary says so.
2: So, but but my question <laughs> is, why is that? Though? Why is that? Because Austin Reeves gets, what, 54. I feel like he should get more than 54 million. Yeah. Why does he get 54 because he stayed in LA? Does he, if he goes elsewhere, does he get 100? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's the Gabe Vincent. He gets what? Oh, I've seen his, I think he deserved more. Than he that. deserves more. He got to the finals, but then, he was in Miami, and Miami was giving him eight a year like eight a year.
1: Wow. I, and he, he was maybe at times the second best player on the court in several of the this series. Is,
2: this is my point, but then you'll get someone like let's say Fred, use for example, who hasn't had the best season, he'll get 130. How does he get 130? No disrespect to Fred at all, but just how does he get 130? Is it the team? Is it because they have to pay? Maybe that's the reason why. Or you know, like I don't know. Like everyone's situation is just so like it's it's just all over the place. In my opinion, it's all over the place. Guys is getting obviously I want everyone to get paid, but for me, like just being an athlete and just kind of just watching, being a fan, just really I know a lot of these guys just taking a deep dive into it. It's like what is this player doing differently? than that guy. And for me it's like it has nothing to do with basketball anymore. Has nothing to do with basketball anymore. You know, so I
1: think Houston Houston had to pay them more because right now they're a bad franchise. They're not going to win. These two guys are winners. They want to get somebody with the winning mentality. I think Fred having a championship elevates him. I think them wanting somebody to groom the number four draft pick gets him a little bit more money. I think him and Dylan Brooks are going to have to be social workers because they're playing with a bunch of children. And very immature children who are talented, but they're very immature and they need to learn how to play basketball the appropriate way, how to play for your team, how to play to win. And I think when they're going in, they're not going to just play, you know, for themselves. They're going to have to, like, really be leaders. But I do think it's a stretch. I feel like you should pay guys big money, right? But you should do that if a second offer comes. Like, Like, for instance, for you, I know if I'm partisan, I got to come with the money because I know panna's knocking on the door i know barcelona's knocking on the door i know all these teams are knocking on the door so now i have to come with a bigger offer but if none of those teams are knocking on the door i'm gonna pay you as little as possible
3: if i'm owner of
1: a team and i feel like some of these nba teams jump the gun because they're afraid teams will match but there's no offer there like a lot of these guys are sometimes restricted free agents so sometimes they come with a crazy offer just hoping nobody matches because they have the right to refusal the the team that they currently play for so I don't know. I just feel like they're competing against themselves, but they are driving the market up and what I will say is I'm happy because I have a son. He's two years old and I pray he chooses mm-hmm. to play basketball because if he yeah. does, and he wants if he, me to help yeah, him, yeah. we will put in the work and I can't imagine what the contracts will be in 2040.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and, to be, and, and to be honest with you, I'm so happy these guys, again, pay regardless if they play well or not because these dudes been grinding for years. We've been playing for years and Guys just take full advantage of it, of the new yeah. rules, everything. that like you take full advantage of it, and you able to be on the good side of basketball because this place is not on the good side of it. So yeah. if you are able to be on the good side of it, kudos to you. So I, I, I respect all of these guys, whether people think they deserved it or not. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. respect all of them guys again because it's tough, man. It's, it's yeah. tough. So
1: and they're all high level athletes. They're all excellent all, players. All of them. All of them. All we of them. just we Look just compare salaries saying. based on market based on historically. Exactly. So, exactly. And, and exactly. I think I think we're just used to seeing the superstars get this type of money. Like we're used to seeing the Lucas, the LeBron's, yeah. the is the John Moranch. We're used to seeing these type of guys <laughs> yeah. get fifty million for it. We're not used to seeing that next tier, which is no disrespect to them. But yeah. some of them are stars and some of them are merging like could yeah. become a star or not and they're also getting that max level of money, yeah. which is superstar. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but like you said though, times it's changing. <laughs> at some point, dudes is gonna begin three hundred and fifty, almost four hundred million at yeah. some point. Football so, money and then soccer money, and then we're gonna <laughs> be looking at the hundred million dollar contracts. That's gonna be guys on the bench, role player guys. That doesn't, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think the I think it's good for for the younger guys coming up. That that's that's let's say ten years old, thirteen that has inspiration because they're gonna get the. The, they're gonna reap the benefits. They're gonna reap yes. all the good benefits.
0: So, sky is the limit for those salaries. But let's get back to the ground. I have a real quick topics uh, to discuss here in Europe. First of all, Euroleague introduced the play on tournament, and I believe that all of you you're gonna say that it's a great idea. So, I want to hear a short reaction of yours regarding the play-in tournament? And also, what would be the next change, the next move you would like to hear from the EuroLeague to improve the products of the EuroLeague basketball or from the for the entire competition as well?
2: I don't like to play a game. I don't like it. I don't. I do not like it. I feel like, listen, it is 34, 35 games, How many games. You better figure it out in 34, 35 games. <laughs> I'm so sorry, this league is too competitive Guys are too good from top to bottom to throw a playing game. Like dudes is this past playoff um season, dudes is fighting for this six to eight. Like dudes are fighting from like six to nine, six to ten. Man, you better figure it out. You better figure it out. I'm so sorry, man. I hate to say it. I'm sorry, all the basketball junkies. I love you, but figure it out, man. Because we we gotta play. I don't want to play no playing game. So now for me, I'm like. I looked at the standings um this morning. So one through six, I have to make sure I'm one through six now. So this coming up season, we have to. I don't want to play no playing game. <laughs> think about think about you playing so hard, right? And it's a team that you know gives you problems a little bit and you ahead of them. But now you have to play them in a playing game in this one game, and then you just have they just have a good day. And now you're out. Now you're looking at this team like we had them beat 2-0 this year, and because we got caught up in the playing game. You know, I'm not with that. I don't like it. You got thirty <laughs> look, you got thirty-four games figured out, man. After that, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm not with the player game. You can leave that alone. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Uh, so for Amen. me as as a player, um I don't like it on the player side just because, like he said, it takes away from your the total body of work from the season of what you did. You can almost rectify your season in one or two games, depending Amen. on if you're tenth or ninth oh, place. Man. And that so hurts. like for me, I feel like the regular season in Europe is so important. There's so much emphasis on it, and for you to add this, it almost punishes the teams who handled business, and it gives a mulligan <laughs> or an extra extra chance to those teams who did not handle their business. So, as a player, it I don't like it. As a fan, I hate to say it, I do like it. As a fan, you get to see another high-stake game. Uh, you know, I'm watching the early games. I'm seeing the games. I mean, do or die. Every game is already at the highest level of yeah, uh, exactly. intensity of energy. So to see it, knowing that your season could end today, I mean, that adds that Final Four flair. So I get it, it provides more games for a team. We've seen how it does for Zagiris. One game was what, was it 3 million? That it had for you, or 2 million, uh, how much was that? Darnie?
0: Less less than that, but some, something between 1.5 and 2 million. So, so $2 for million clubs like Zagiris is huge. So is,
1: this changes um, teams' uh, financial outlook, allows them, which in return, put together a better basketball pitcher and allows them, which is the main thing to be able to pay players more. So, which I love. Um, <laughs> it also is good for the fans who want to see more games, uh, who want to see their fans uh, want to get opportunity to see a home game um, yeah. in this type of, <clears throat> excuse me, in this type of environment. So I like that. And it also could create an uh, avenue for more TV revenue. Uh, we already seen how the NBA, you know, uh, bought um, Victor's, uh was well, uh, package um, in France you know, these type of games, these type of environments that could lead to more, you know, opportunities for broadcasting and revenue. And so I, I'm torn, but as a player, I hate it. As a fan, I get it. I, I know. I, I love it as a fan.
0: So to make everyone happy, let's add more games. I mean, forget Final Four idea. Let's add more games for the semifinals and finals. And there's no playing tournament. That would work fine for you, Kevin?
1: I would like that better.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. That's cool. That's cool.
2: That's not bad. I, I can do that. But it's the whole playing game is just like the season's already long. And like Eric said, like it's so intense. Like it's so like dudes is competing 34, 35 games at night, giving they all whatever. Like, you better leave it out there. You better leave it out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you better leave it out there. Like, you better. Leave, I'm so sorry, but you better leave it out there. And we just figure it out with the standings and the in the and, the, and the, whatever. We figure it out with points. Everything we'll figure it out, but no, nah, I don't really like to play the playing game. For all that, yeah. let's just throw all star game in there too. Then just just throw all star too. Like that's the one thing I feel like yearly that'd be dope. Throw all star game in there. Like if you want to do a playing game, throw all star game. Like I, you know, might as well just do everything.
1: Eliminate the third place game.
2: It,
1: Eliminate then, the third you know, place game. That I has to go. And then um I think now since the yearly is closer in the modern day. Teams are all competing at a closer level. <clears throat> I think they should eliminate the final four and do series. And I don't care if it's a best of three, um, mm. but it needs to be a series to give these teams extra home games, but also just to create that environment. I think it's, it's more entertaining. Uh, one game is just not enough, uh, especially for those basketball junkies. You know, they want more, and, and your elite has the product. Give them more. I know players don't want to play longer, um, but I think if you could eliminate the third place game and you know, put them in that environment. Guys won't complain about a three-game series. A five or a seven, I think that will maybe be too much. But I think a three they could handle, and maybe you can take maybe the quarterfinals to to a best of three if if you want to limit games for players' health instead of going best of five. Quarterfinals, yeah. can go best of three, best of three, best of three, final yeah. four championship.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's. If you do do that, you have to. It's no play game. Yeah, no playing, no playing. It's just no playing, no playing. Because now you start to mess with the season overly being long. Now you drag the season out. You know what I'm saying? So now guys off seasons do become shorter because if some guys have value, listen, I need to rest. I need to try to find time to rest, get better, improve, you know, things of that nature. So hopefully they don't drag it out. I don't know if playing game would drag out the season, you know, much longer, but you also have to take that into consideration. Uh, consideration also, obviously, people want to watch basketball all year round, but players have to play these games too at a high level. So I feel like sometimes people forget that it's like these players have to play too. You know, like you can't just watch basketball for ten months out of the year and you just think these players don't you know want to go home and rest and kind of just regroup. So that's I feel like if they find that find that balance, I think I think it'll work out. But I say no playing game at an All Star game and make some of the, make the final, make the final four like a series. I think that, I think that'd be dope. Well, all-star game, I feel like would be amazing, especially with the whole ESPN three covering every game and all the matches this year. I think that'll grow yearly, even more, you know, like people in America are able to see a yearly all-star game. I think that's great marketing. And I think that would be amazing. And then you put it in like, let's say like a amazing city. Let's put it in like a, Athens, uh, Madrid, or Barcelona—you know—put it in a big time city, or even a Belgrade, where they love the culture of basketball. This any you know nice city, I think that's good for TV ratings, also.
0: Yeah, just one last thing about this Final Four thing, why I really hate it, because I think that European and Euroleague basketball uh, specifically is known for these great crowds, great atmospheres, and those crowds in in Belgrade, in in Tel Aviv, Mm -hmm. in Olympiakos, in Athens, they make the series special. And then suddenly you decide the title in a neutral gym usually there are three teams with no fan base over there. So you're you're losing that identity of EuroLeague basketball. Yeah, so I yeah. think it's very important from the fan experience because you go to, I wouldn't call it a random city, but in a neutral venue, mm-hmm. you put a yeah. neutral announcer who doesn't create any atmosphere that EuroLeague basketball is known for. So I think it takes yeah. away too much. And I see your point about playing too more too many games. Like Monaco and Madrid played 88 games last season. Yeah. It's more than 19 NBA teams, actually. And yeah. Partizan, I made this count. They played 80 games. Jalegrys 85, Virtus 82, Milan 80. So no. and the, the season you, you compare the length of the season in Europe you usually play three two months longer than in the NBA, in the G League, in the exactly. Australian League. So it's it's exhausting.
2: Yeah, it's a lot, man. It's a
0: lot. And one very very last point. There's this never ending debate between. BCL and EuroCup fans, which competition Mm -hmm. is better? BCL improved a lot and I have this question from two two different perspectives. Which competition you tune in on your TV when you have both competitions clashing and in which competition you would sign to play if you have similar offers from EuroCup and BCL team? For
1: me, I've been in a situation and so, like I played many years in the Euro Cup, uh, you know this was my first season in the BCL. Um, I think Euro Cup has the better format as far as the games played. Um, you get to play every team um, in your group uh, twice, home and away, and I think it allows you to see you know who's really the best team in a certain group. I think um, BCL's format is more do or die. Fans are probably going to like it more because um, you basically have to keep winning to get to each stage. I think um, the talent level, um, from when I first started in the Euro Cup, it was greater um, to what it is now. Um,
3: I agree. I agree. It, it's
1: it's really dropped as far as, like, the names. I think because um, the Euro lead is becoming more closed, and I think the opportunity of getting there is less and less for teams, so the interest has drained, and a lot of good teams are now entering um, – the BCL. And I think that's where you see a lot of the talent. You're seeing a lot of Euroleague teams continue to puck guys from the BCL. Um, And it used to be historically EuroCup. It used to be almost like you had to go to the EuroCup a lot of times before you could get to the Euroleague. Mm -hmm. And now I'm seeing guys get took left and right. If you look at Karshiaka, for example, um, this season, um, Brian N'Gola was linked to uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, You look at um, Vito Brown had you Know you know, two teams in a year lead interested in him, but he chose to come back ultimately to us. Um, look at last season and Bayi, uh, and Bayi went to FFS. You look at uh, mm-hmm. that same team, Mazi Kostin went to Maccabi Tel Aviv, um, mm-hmm. Alex Tayas went to Asvell. Um, and you're just seeing like I can't be the only one who thinks like this because the Euro you know, lead GMs and the executives are plucking guys from the BCL. Um and you're hearing other guys as well who have succeeded or played well getting those type of opportunities and i think the bcl has just grown every year and now yeah. you see you're seeing it finally i think overtake uh, the euro cup and it's not just cuz i played it like i'm being eject- objective um it's just what i see but euro cup i think i prefer that format just cuz it's more games and allows you to see the total picture where at champions league you could get lucky get a good draw and you could avoid the certain groups or certain teams and you don't really know if you're the best team or if you got yeah. the best
2: draw. Yeah. I like BCL better. I mean, I played BCL twice. I won it twice in a row, but the format then was different than now. Now I don't like the format. The old the older format was I think maybe four groups. It was maybe six teams a group and then, you know, you have to come out your group, you win your group and then you go on to like quarterfinal, semifinal, the whole the whole thing so that was way better because you have to play all the best teams. You have to play everyone in your group twice. You have to win your group. You have to get out your group. Then you have to play the other the better teams in the other groups. So you kind of it was harder to get to, you know, the final fours and things of that nature. I think the um, the format was way better. Now I can't keep up with the format. I'm not even sure how it is now. I don't like it. So I would for sure take the Euro Cups format. Uh, playing the Euro Cup, um, my first year with Partizan, it was new for me. I didn't really just the travel and everything was just it was just it was a little difficult. Um, I wasn't sure uh some of the teams who they were. Uh previous before early in my career, I used to watch Euro Cup a lot and I thought that was one of the greatest competitions, like high-level teams. I'm not saying it's not high-level teams now, but just the teams were different. Like Eric said, like the competition I feel like has dropped off for sure. You know, I think people look at Europe it used to be Euro Cup, it used to be yearly Euro Cup. No other conversations. Yeah. Now the conversations are starting to change. Like is BCL better than Euro Cup, Euro Cup to BCL, depending on who you're talking to, they'll pick one over the other. So now it's 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 in a BCL is in a really, really good space where they can compete with Euro Cup. Uh, you know, some people may say it's better, some people may say it's not, but you can have that argument. You can have that argument.
0: Okay, guys, we made a lot of arguments on this pod. So, it was really a really pleasure to hear your thoughts, to hear your jokes and stories and experiences. And I hope that fans find it entertaining and some players that are listening and they're looking for some role models here in Europe that you were also looking for and after uh, in your early years here, would also benefit from this conversation. Thank you all, really. Kevin Punter, Eric McCollum. It was a great, great or bonus episode.
2: Appreciate you having, you having me, me. man. I right, love what you're doing, bro. Love what you're doing. Keep, uh, keep doing your thing, man. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, man. It's just because I'm wearing black, right? It's just because of that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, hey, black. Hey, black and white, right here. Eric got white, you got black on. Oh man. on, man.
0: Come on, <laughs> man. <laughs>